Hello, everybody. This is Taylor Kramer, a local podcast host and producer, and I am collaborating with the city of Traverse City as well as some local media members to bring you information in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. I think that living in a rural community or a town like Traverse City, you can feel exempt from maybe some of the more national or international headlines. However, We also need to be aware that the news and the spread of this disease can change very quickly. And I wanted to find a format that we could distill down what is happening on a national, international level and also get the perspective of how it can relate to us in this local community. Today is March 23rd, 2020. Beth Milligan, I am the head writer for the Traverse City Ticker in Traverse City, Michigan. So a lot of things have happened, uh, even just since yesterday, which seems to be the theme as things (laughs) move along with uh, the coronavirus. But uh, I guess I'm just going to let you take the lead on this and whatever you deem appropriate to share. We're going to just kind of go in whatever order you prefer, because I think that you've been following this, you know, much more closely than I have. Sure. So, yeah, so the big thing that happened today that we're still kind of processing in terms of what it's going to mean and who's affected is uh, Governor Whitmer has issued an executive order that is fairly similar to what people have been hearing has happened in other states, which is typically called a shelter in place or a lockdown or a stay at home order. She's calling it a stay home, stay safe order, which essentially says that people cannot leave their homes uh, for anything other than essential purpose. Um, there's a couple key things that are different now about this than what was happening before in Michigan. Obviously, a lot of people have been social distancing. We've been already staying in our homes. Um, but the main thing this does is <clears throat> it keeps a lot more employees at home in Michigan. So now um, there are stores uh <clears throat> Businesses that have been ordered to keep their staff at home unless they're considered um, an essential industry. And the governor kind of gave a list of what those are. Um, I can just sort of summarize briefly, um, you know, things like people who are working in healthcare, um, in uh, law enforcement, in food, um, and that includes restaurant takeout and grocery stores. Um, People who are working in things that are called critical infrastructure, so government functions, um, people who are working in um, social service industries, you know, emergency shelters, um, energy, water, wastewater. So if you're in any kind of um, industry that is essential to how the community flows and operates, uh, man- critical manufacturing, um, the news media, myself, we are exempted um, under it then you are allowed to continue going to work. But all other industries, and even in those industries, they're trying to recommend that as many employees don't have to be there uh, as possible aren't. Um, in other businesses like the nonprofits, um, retail stores, anything that you might think of that's not included in the exempted categories, they're allowed to still have a, a small number of staff members come in if they're doing essential things like providing security for the building, um, taking care of animals, as some businesses have animals involved, um, doing payroll, uh, keeping the kind of the financial and key um, functions of the business going. But generally, Taylor, the idea of the order is that um, if your business is not necessary to sustain or protect life, that's the language they're using, um, you are likely going to be instructed to keep your employees at home. 
And for us um, as just residents, uh, we are under similar instructions. We are allowed to leave to go outside and to exercise as long as you're keeping a six foot difference between yourself and other people. Um, you can go to the grocery store, you can gas up your car, you can go to doctor or medical appointments, you can um, go to check on a family member or take care of a family member's pet. Um, you can do some of these kind of essential things, um, but you, um, for example, you can't really go shopping anymore unless you're getting, you know, key things that you need for your household or things to eat. You can't like go to a retail boutique now and just pick up a shirt. Um, so it's really kind of asking everyone to stay home. And it is because it's a governor's order. An executive order is right now essentially the same as law. So if you are violating it, and I think really the violations were probably focused more on businesses than residents is kind of my understanding, but it is a misdemeanor to violate this order. So you could potentially be fined or even jailed depending on how severely you were breaking it. Okay. And is this something that's going to be, I know that they said it's going to go into effect at midnight tonight. So does that mean that tomorrow, um, essentially people need to immediately be implementing these things or is there a bit of a grace period? Yeah, it's, it's pretty immediate, um, implementation. Uh, so it is midnight tonight. It is in effect for three weeks until April 13th. Um, there's a little bit of time at, at a certain point by the end of the month, businesses who aren't in the essential industries, but have employees who are doing those key functions, like I mentioned, like payroll or security by the end of the month, they're going to have to put in writing who exactly those employees are and have that information publicly available. They do have a little bit time of time now to kind of get that figured out, figure out what employees are essential, who is non-essential. So I think there's going to be a little bit of flexibility in the next couple of days. But really, the the main focus of this is to keep people at home. One of the mm -hmm. things that the governor said today, Taylor, at the press conference that I thought was kind of eye-opening and I think caught mm -hmm. other people's attention was she was trying to contextualize how serious this is and why she was taking such dramatic steps, which other seats have done. And she said, based on some of the current modeling that she has looked at, if the virus continues to spread in Michigan at the rate that it has been, which the number of cases doubled over the weekend in the state, that eventually we could see up to 70% of the population in Michigan, which would be 7 million people, eventually get this coronavirus and up to a million of those people potentially requiring hospitalization. And we only have right now 25,000 acute care beds in Michigan. So I think she shared those numbers to try to say this. She said, think about that. Think about how serious that is. That's why we're doing this. That is, yeah, that is a scary reality to think about. And so for people to consider that and just to understand that this three weeks is probably where a lot of the, of what the future course of this disease and what that's going to look like is if we're acting now and within these next three weeks and staying vigilant within the parameters that she suggested, right? Yeah. And so the schools have also been closed um, for a longer period of time. They were going to be closed through April 6th. That they're also now closed through April 13th, which is how long the order extends. 
Um, we've also seen some pretty big events. Um, you know, we've already had obviously event cancellations for the next several weeks happening, but the, uh, it looks like the Olympics are going to be canceled or delayed this summer. That discussion just came out today from the International Olympic Committee. Um, here on the local level, the Bayshore Marathon, which is a huge race at the end of May, uh, has been canceled. So they are already, they're not, po- they're not rescheduling this year. They're just delaying until you know, 2021. Um, so as we get closer to summer, you know, there's still big events here that are on people's radars, like the National Cherry Festival, that it will be interesting to see what happens. We're still kind of focused on this immediate three to four week window, but for event planners, it's kind of challenging because, you know, people are booking hotels or not, or buying tickets or not. And so sometimes their window is a little bit longer than even that emergency period. Um, one thing I would say, Taylor, is I've been talking to a lot of local businesses today about how this is going to impact them. And I think, you know, a lot of people already saw this potentially coming down the pipeline. Again, we have had states from California to Illinois to New York, Ohio, you know, a lot of our Midwestern neighbors have already gone this route. So businesses have been kind of bracing for this to come. I've talked to, you know, local companies like here, like Haggerty, that has managed to, in just about a week, transition almost 900 employees to working from home, which is kind of crazy to me. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of uh, tech, uh, technical infrastructure to, to make that happen. Um, I have seen businesses, you know, stepping up to the plate, giving their employees extra um, pay time off or not making them accrue pay time off when they're adjusting to this, um, trying to make sure that they have stability. But I will say that there are a lot of people that are also really scared. I mean, we've seen really scary projections for um, the number of small businesses and restaurants that might close that just might not be able to weather this for, for very much longer. So I think right now there's just a lot of uncertainty um, and people trying to figure out what this order and, and what this kind of economic shutdown is going to mean for them. And I don't know, Beth, if you would have any pulse on this or not, but when we look ahead to late May or even June and some of the events that typically take place in our community and we see those things getting canceled, do you suspect that that is um, their way of, I guess, reacting to what they think the landscape might look like in those months? Or is that simply because they're going to be so limited on time to plan that they're canceling those events? I think it's a combination of both. So I can tell you, in addition to you know being a reporter, I'm also um, on the board of directors for um, Up North Pride, which is a pride organization here in northern Michigan. We have a major week-long uh, festival at the end of June and are having very serious discussions about that. We haven't made any decisions. It's, it's hard as event planners. I know the National Cherry Festival, the Film Festival, all these other big festivals here in Michigan are having these um, difficult conversations. You don't want to prematurely cancel your event if you don't have to. Um, you know, if, if everything in four weeks has been lifted and we're back to life as usual and you've canceled your main source of revenue and how you keep your nonprofit afloat for the year, that's a really painful misstep. Um, but I think the graver misstep that a lot of people are worried about is not being proactive enough, not making the decision soon enough that allows their attendees to also, you know, respond fiscally so they can cancel hotel rooms if they need to, they can cancel travel plans, they cannot buy tickets. If you get to the point where you're selling tickets then you have to refund you know hundreds or thousands of tickets that becomes a huge uh, headache and logistical nightmare so it's really really challenging for event planners to try to figure out the right thing to do and I think a lot of them at least the big ones I've seen obviously something like the Olympics that requires so much infrastructure 
I think a lot of them are feeling like this is not going to be done in three weeks. I think that's probably a wise assumption. And so just making the decision now to get out ahead of it and cancel for this year, write it off and be able to kind of shut down and wind down your operations and try to stay intact and afloat for 2021. As of today in Michigan, we have over 1,300 cases now in the state um, and 15 deaths. Um, worldwide, we are now at over 370,000 cases, um, over 41,000 of which are in the U.S. We're still the third uh, highest country for the number of cases. Um, and I think uh, the main thing, you know, I had a story today in the ticker about um, groups that are vulnerable um, during this pandemic that sometimes aren't being thought about, like um, domestic and sexual abuse victims. Um, people who are in treatment or recovery for addiction, um, the homeless, people who are now having to um, do their therapy or their counseling for their mental health issues by telemedicine or virtually. And so um, one of the things that I'm kind of keeping an eye on, and I just would encourage people, we've talked about it on your podcast and other guests have talked about it, but if you have the financial means, and I know everyone will not, especially right now in this time of economic uncertainty, but if you're comfortable if you're secure and you have extra to give, um, especially, you know, everything from the little arts nonprofits who really might not be able to make it through this to, um, you know, continuing to support your grocery stores and restaurant takeout as you safely can to the basic needs. Um, you know, all these vulnerable groups that I talked to, Taylor, they're not just dealing with the need that's happening now. They're thinking about, you know, two to three months from now and how it's going to be compounded um, as, as things get worse. So that's always just my, my little reminder. I think I've said it before, but I think it's really important to say that if you feel helpless and you want to do something, there are definitely um, local groups that you can donate to, and it would be much appreciated uh, now because I think we're just starting to feel some of these pain points, especially with the governor's order today, and it, it'll likely get worse as the weeks go by. Yeah, I think that the seriousness of this is just setting in for more and more people from every angle uh, after the, the speech that the governor gave today. The one thing that I'd been excited to do is to purchase gift cards from local businesses and then also donate those gift cards. And so for me, I'm thinking that that's going to be benefiting multiple parties. So not just the small business, but then also the people that might be receiving the gift card to that restaurant or store or whatever it might be. And to me, that seems to be a pretty efficient way of helping out multiple parties. Yeah, I think so. I should mention it, it's been a tough. I've been giving the advice, you know, as everyone, a lot of people, everyone else, a lot of people have of of donating to the restaurants through gift cards. And I think the only hesitation I'm starting to have now is seeing how bad mm -hmm. the projections are for the industry and being worried about um you know, to be candid, to being worried about people buying these gift cards and for some businesses, them, them not coming back or not being able to use them. But I think what you said is a really great solution. And I, and I hate to say that because I want to see the restaurants come through. I just don't want also folks to, you know, dig deep into their wallets at a, un, a uncertain time and then not be able to potentially redeem them down the road. So what I would say is what you suggested is a great solution, which is maybe, you know, buy restaurant takeout for your first responders, your firefighters or the nurse crew who's on the night shift at the hospital or whatever it is. Donate the gift certificates to food pantries, um, you know, help someone who can't go out from their apartment, maybe bring them a nice meal. Because I, I do think we wanted to do what we can to support the businesses right now and hope that they can get through this. Beth, is there any last stuff that you'd like to mention or should we let you go? 
Um, I think that's everything I have for today. I would just, um, if folks want to stay updated, I would just, the resources that are available 24-7, including all of these executive orders, especially if you're listening and you're not sure, can I do this? Like I've had people ask me, can I go for a drive? Well, yes, you can. Um, is the construction industry impacted by this? We don't know yet. We're trying to figure that out. So any um, people who are wondering, how does this apply to me or how does this apply to my business or people in my life? I would just recommend going to michigan.gov slash coronavirus because all of the governor's executive orders are there. They're very long and very detailed about who it applies to and who it doesn't. So I'm happy and so glad that you have this resource to share these summaries with folks. But if they want to dig in more and really kind of get those answers, they're definitely available online. Awesome. And I'm going to use this opportunity also to implore the listeners to share these episodes. I've heard from multiple people that they are helpful because they're relatively short and packs a lot of information um, into these episodes. And so if you found them helpful, I suspect someone else will. And we have experts like Beth and Amy that are providing their insight um, at least every couple of days. And so please share this stuff. It's really helpful. And who knows, maybe this can be a resource that will continue um, throughout the months of uncertainty that probably lies ahead. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Beth, thank you so much for being Thanks, on. Thanks, Taylor.